It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin, and we are back once again, working through our positional rankings in the preseason, and we have wide receivers coming up, and we've had a few really, really good classes back to back to back to back, potentially, if I'm I'm not remembering 2019, but uh 2022 that's what we're here to talk about colin absolutely i'm i'm really excited to well i guess we're, we're here to talk about 2023 not 2022 right i mean it we can tw- talk it about is 2022. 2022 yeah it is yeah. 2022 but we're they the campers are going to graduate in 2023 yeah yeah there so we're talking about the the 2023 rookie picks who are playing in right. 2022, not to be confusing at all. Uh, but Yeah, no. No, not at all. Uh, but a- actually, we can, we can start by talking about the 2022 draft picks, if you want, because Please. it seems there, there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance regarding the wide receiver classes of late. And the 2022 draft class was disrespected in in whole we talked about it a little bit on the the running back episode with kenneth walker and Brees hall and we're gonna bring it back up again here where 2022 was disregarded but now looking in retrospect and looking ahead at this class the 2023 class we're seeing them just kind of boosted as a better class already even though the 2022 class already looks incredible and is running deep and we see one week of preseason we see training camp after training camp practice where these guys are getting lifted up as incredible players and it's it's guys down the list it is and honestly like i i went on a little bit of a you know we're sitting around the campfire last week and i i gave an opportunity there to say you know this is not a place camp dynasty is not a place where it's you know dunking on people telling people what what's right and what's wrong when it comes to something as subjective as player evaluations can be but at the same time like you said watching the 2023 wide receiver group if you were desensitized to all of these, you know, the Justin Jefferson, T Higgins, that group of guys. And then you had Jamar chase and you had all, all these elite players coming out the last couple of years. If you were a little bit, you know, numb to it and you went into 2022, the 2022 group thinking there's no possible way we can have another stacked class. And it almost seemed like the default then was to just pick apart those players and find every weakness you could with them. Um, Even when those weaknesses weren't really even there. Uh, I'm I'm looking at Drake London can't separate people. I mean, if you watch the tape, you will see that he can separate. And he's, you know, and and you reference the training camp and the preseason. you, You already see some of that already paying off at an NFL level. So it's just one of those things where sometimes you need a little bit of perspective and the 2023 class for me, so far, we still have a season to go, but so far, it's given me some perspective about how talented that 2022 group actually was. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it seems like it 
has the potential to be the worst class since 2018, which is not saying, oh, this class sucks. It's saying we've been blessed with great wide receiver class after great wide receiver class after great wide receiver class after great wide receiver class. Because in 2019, you mentioned you didn't know for sure if it was uh, – well, that's A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, Terry right. McLaurin, Marquise. The wide receiver Yeah, D.K. Class. Metcalf. So that that's that draft class. 2020, Justin Jefferson, C.D., Jerry Judy, Chase Claypool, Brandon Ayuk, T. Higgins. And then 2021, obviously, Jamar Chase, Jalen Wall, Devontae Smith, Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Toney, so on and so forth. And then 2022 – uh, is bearing fruit so far, and we haven't even seen Jameson Williams on the field. So, w- obviously, we have a, a lot of time ahead of us to see how those 2022 receivers pan out and to see how these college athletes pan out, which we are here to talk about today. But uh, just just make sure you remember that just because the, they might not be as good as years before does not mean they suck. You can't just bring it down a tier and bring it down like five tiers and just be like, oh, yeah, trade away your 2022 draft picks because this this class sucks. Like, well, probably not, actually. Well, I, I, I just honestly think it's our excuse to talk about the 2022 guys because I love those guys, and Camp Dynasty was only an idea back then, <laughs> and so we didn't have a chance to talk about them. But I'm sure we will uh, you know, fill in some of those gaps as they actually take the field this season and if they if you know if these reports have been correct and, and this is any indication of what they're gonna look like, it seems like they're gonna be in for a pretty good year overall. But if if Camp Dynasty was around last year, I, I feel like I'd be getting dunked on a lot by about yeah. Traylon Burks. <laughs> <laughs> No, see, no, no, we don't need to worry about that part. Just, anyway. uh, just the victories here. But no, um, twenty twenty three wide receivers. So we've already sort of, sort of alluded to the fact that it seems as though we both have a less favorable view of the class as a whole, especially compared to recent recent classes that but like you said that does not necessarily indicate that it is a bad class and we're coming off the heels of talking about the running back group which is especially strong so there is a little bit of that dichotomy there where you know we finally have a really really strong really really deep running back group and now maybe it's it's the wide receivers' turn to take the back seat in terms of the you know the overall buzz and and whatnot with the draft itself. All of that being said, what what is it? What does it look like? What is it, what is what does this look like? I think we've been pretty similar up to this point, and I think it's about to get weird. So give me number five. Well, I I th- this was so hard to do. I. <laughs> sat here for hours and I was like, man, all right, let me just go back and watch this guy. Let me just go back and watch this other guy. Like, am I going to move him? And it, I have seven names written down and I'm like, well, I'll I'll just decide when we get there, who's going to be five, who's going to be four. And now the time's come and I'm kind of vamping, trying to buy some time so I can decide (laughs) who's going to be at number five. Um, Oh, goodness. All right. I th- I'm going to go with 
This seems Oklahoma. like a decision you're making on the spot. It, literally, it literally is. Yeah, I'm gonna go uh, Oklahoma receiver Marvin Mims as my number five uh, slot receiver, five eleven, one eighty four. Um, he wasn't hugely targeted much of the year, so you don't see a ton of the volume that you might want to see. But what he did when he got the ball is really impressive. He's really good after the catch. He's a very smart route runner. Um, good against zone, solid against man. He's not super physical, uh, but he, he can make guys miss. He, he's not the fastest person, but he's got good like field speed, football speed, where he, can, he makes it work. Um, but, yeah, I mean – there's there's stuff there to work on. Uh, his his quarterback changed midseason, and now his quarterback left, and his quarterback at the beginning of the season also left. So he's got a little bit of that adversity adversity to deal with, as well as his coach left. So who knows what kind of role he's going to have in this offense? But from what I saw, this is a a very good slot receiver that can kind of get it done at three levels and has good hands, runs good routes, and can make people miss. So, two things. Number one, it's a testament to this class because I've watched 10, 10 players, and I didn't watch Marvin Mims. Wow. So that is a, that is a foreign name. I, I know the name. Yeah. But I, I haven't seen. I, I haven't watched the player, so I, right. I don't have any comments to make. Um, one thing that's catching my eye here, just, you know, box score scouting real quick, um, his receiving grade from PFF, cause we're, you know, big into the analytics here <laughs> at camp dynasty, uh, dropped fairly significantly from his first season to his second season. And that may be, in, you know, inclusive of some of that, you know, instability that he yeah. faced last season. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's like I said, I haven't watched him. It's, an, it's definitely a name that I'm going to, you know, be tuning into after this, knowing that he's your number five guy. Yeah. But. Like, I, like I was saying before, it, it was it's a big, mucky mess from I, I watched like 13 guys. And literally it, you could have said like between four and eight any of those guys could be in any of those spots. And like I said before, I'm literally like, I, I guess I'll put Mims here as of now. And like tomorrow you could probably, ch- you could probably change my mind during the podcast. <laughs> uh, with to with make Mims. it my mission. <laughs> but yeah, I, I liked Mims a lot, but there's, again, a lot of guys in this range that I, I also feel could slot in here. Yeah, the second the second point that I wanted to bring up there too is Mims, like you said, is a slot guy. He's not a he's not a big guy. I mean, he's listed 5'11", 185, not small, but not big. And that is really a common theme with these guys. I mean, this is not a very big wide receiver group when you talk about the top end who are the guys going into the year that we're that we want to be watching. There's not really a lot of that quote-unquote prototype. And as you learn more about my scouting preferences, that is definitely what I gravitate towards. So that could be my own personal bias when I say, you know, 2023, 
isn't as strong of a class, maybe it's just because they're not the players that I'm looking for necessarily. Um, but that being said, um, my number five receiver is actually one of the one of the players that sort of fits more of that X build. Uh, he's not a he's not a super big player, but he's he's bigger than these guys. He's six feet, around two hundred pounds, and that is Jermaine Burton. So we talk about Jameer Gibbs transferring to Alabama and the sort of impact that that could provide to him. I mean, Gibbs already has strong tape, but it's expected to look much better. Burton is a player that this is, you know, along the lines of some of the guys that we've talked about at different positions already. This is a lot of projection for me, but I am rolling the dice on a guy where I see physical tools and I see his frame. And, you know, like I said, six foot, 200, he's not, you know, wowing anybody with his size, but he's got speed and he plays big. And that's enough for me in this class where I'm going to be really, really interested to see what this player does when Bryce Young is throwing him the football, as opposed to the Georgia quarterbacks that he was dealing with, because that is one of the biggest reasons. And he said it himself. One of the biggest reasons that he transferred was simply because the quarterback play was too inconsistent. He wasn't, I mean, this is a, this is a player who only had uh, last season, he only had 30 targets and 20, and he had 26 receptions. So 26 catches on 30 targets, pretty efficient there, but he's just not getting a lot of, a lot of looks and the quarterback play necessarily wasn't doing him any favors either. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just a player that I'm really excited to to watch how he can grow in a new situation in a, in a better offensive situation than, than, you know, the national champion Georgia team. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just really liked his game. Yeah. I tried my best to find a decent amount of Burton film. (laughs) It's tough. It, It was near impossible to, and I, so but he he is on my outlookers looking in because of the fact that I just like couldn't find enough to watch of him. Uh, but he is super intriguing, and uh, we talked about Bryce Young, the Bryce Young offense on our quarterbacks pod, and I was talking about well the the skill players are going to drop down. We don't know who that next Alabama receiver is going to be. This could be it, and if it is, then we're looking at this guy could be top three, top four. And so that I, I see where, where that projection comes into play. And maybe I was just too scared to, uh, to uh, project that far ahead, but I, it's just the, the, the tape wasn't there. So I, I wasn't ready to, to throw my take out on, on Burton. And that's totally fair because it, like I said, I mean, I was in the same situation as you were, you're figuring out, you know, who's number five, who's number four, even and for me like I said I mean this guy I see tools and you see flashes in limited action and then we talked about that you know who's that who's that next top target for Bryce Young gonna be and it might be reminiscent of last year Jamison Williams comes in as a transfer and just kind of lights the world on fire and becomes you know a premier talent and obviously these are very different players but in a situation could resemble um, what we saw there with Williams so betting on that 
Number four. Yeah, number four. Uh, again, <laughs> this one was very tough, uh, but some some uh, cream rose to the top for me at least here, where it was like, okay, I see an electric player, somebody who excels with the ball in their hands, uh, can make plays happen, can make even Sam Howell look good. Uh, Josh Downs is my wide receiver four. Let's go. Uh, yeah, 5'10", 171, very small guy, but God, that guy, he, he is so good and kind of reminds me of a little less jittery version of Kadarius Tony, where it's it's the same type of bubble screen, same type of tunnel screen, where he's getting it, he's hitting the blockers, and he, he kind of runs like Kyler Murray in open space, where he gets the ball in the one hand, and then he kind of sets you up. And it's almost paralyzing when it's either him setting you up on like a juke move or a cut move or setting up a block or on his releases. It's the same exact thing where he he kind of saunters out there and then he just boom and explodes one way or the other. And the, the DB is always playing a reaction. I love this. I love this because I wanted this to be I wanted this to be a common ranking here josh downs in the top five i like i've said at the top my preference is bigger players he's 510 170 loved him loved watching this guy play he's a he's a dynamo out there and he's very methodical like you like you reference he saunters at the line of scrimmage he makes a db kind of think about it and all of a sudden he just explodes so he's very good at sort of kind of using his, you know, his football IQ as much as his physical traits to create separation, to create space over the middle of the field, and he can win down the field too. I mean, he's a fast guy. Yeah. He's got some highlight reel catches, uh, diving catch in the back corner of the end zone in one game, things like that. So he has all of those tools where, you know, you start to say, okay, I'm going to overlook the size a little bit because he's just too effective. He's just too effective at, at creating space, creating separation, and you know, catching the ball. He's a he's a reliable pass catcher as at the end of the day. So I yeah I man I really loved I really loved watching Downs. I think and this season too. Like I mean last year 1,335 yards. Yeah, man I. Yeah. I don't know what the, what the NC offense is going to look like minus Sam Howell, but damn, I really hope that we we see that and more from Downs again. Yeah, and this this had a little bit to do with uh, Wandale Robinson when I was watching. Uh, <laughs> his name is escaping me. Their quarterback, Will Levis. He, Thank you uh, for forgetting his name and validating that he's you know yeah underrated, underappreciated. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, yeah, but Will Levis watching his tape and seeing Wandale Robinson, it was like, man, I, I wish I would have, you know, just because he's undersized, I kind of, you know, had a different look on him. And then watching Josh Downs, it's like, all right, I'm I, okay, he's undersized, cool, but what is here? What is he showing me? And it's like, God, man, this guy is electric. And he he got, like, double-digit targets in almost every single game. So he had plenty of volume, and like you said, 1,200 yards. He had two games over 150 yards, one game over 200 yards. He could be a crazy good return man. I mean, 
all, all of this is like a, a prime slot receiver like uh, Kadarius Tony, like a Wandale Robinson, like a Rondale Moore, where you, you see these guys, these little jitterbugs that just can make plays with the ball in their hand. Yeah, and I mean, that's we've seen the NFL sort of almost moving in that direction where those guys kind of get a little bit higher every year, and, and more and more of them have significant roles. Now, from a fantasy perspective, I mean – You'd like to see guys, I mean, this is not Rondale Moore in terms of size, but in the same vein, you know, you'd like to see those guys sort of start to put up some numbers, some significance, you know, in more, on a more consistent basis. But man, I'm just, I'm just ready to bet on this guy. I'm just ready to bet on him and his, and his tools. The one thing, the one thing, and it plagues a lot of these guys because of their size playing against physical defenders. I mean, yeah. that's that's where it gets really tricky for some of these guys and and Downs is no exception. Press dealing with press coverage, dealing with contact at the top of his routes, just any if a defender's playing physical on him and this is going to come up later with another guy that we're going to talk about, spoiler, uh <laughs> he, he struggles a little bit. And that's that that's a big worry sign for me because you see that you know, players who can't deal with the physicality of the game when they're not able to create separation with their athleticism alone, then that's when you see that disconnect from a college and an NFL level. But yeah, I mean, just like I said, super excited to watch Downs this year. I, I, th- I think he's positioned well for, you know, a, a, to be a very high NFL draft pick. Yeah. And in terms of like the physicality, unfortunately, with these smaller guys, when you are so reliant on your speed and your athleticism and all that, and you can't get off the line of scrimmage, I mean, a lot of teams will have you in the slot, which takes you off the line of scrimmage, which is very helpful. But unfortunately, sometimes you just get relegated to a gadget guy. Because if you can't block also, then you're not going to be a featured guy in the slot on an NFL team Um, because like that, that is a key. You got to lock down that nickel corner. You got to lock down that safety and seal them off in the run game or else you're not going to be on the field very much. That's a great point. Uh, Well, downs, if I didn't say it, it was also my number four. So we're, we're in alignment there. Number three, I already know you're number three because we did this whole thing on the big board. So why don't we just do that right now? Let's do it. So, Keishon Butte, he's incredible player. I just think there's two guys better than him. Uh, sorry. I know you don't feel that way. I know you vehemently disagree. Uh, and so you're going to talk down my guy. I get it. I know how this works. No, Camp Dynasty is all about positivity. I love Keishon. I love Addison. You love Addison. You love Keishon. But, you know, we all have our preferences on what we like in our players. And Keishon just the the volume isn't there the production is projection the everything we want out of Keishan we're hoping to see and so until he shows that he is that dude week after week then he's gonna have to stay at my wide receiver three but the the talent is there the tools are there the skill is there it's just the production isn't there yet. Well, I'm glad that this follows 
our conversation about uh, Josh Downs because Butte is, you know, he's, again, he's not a small player, but he's not a big player. But he struggles mightily with physical coverage. And so I don't mind Butte being in the three spot in this class. Actually, I actually considered this myself after our big board show because the more I watched Butte, the more you see how much physical coverage affects him. And, I, you know, that's not even just getting off of press coverage. That's you're going to you're running a post route and the defender gets his hands on you a little bit and he just gets thrown completely out of rhythm in those situations more often than not. And so that I mean that's like I said that's a big worry sign for me. I've seen a lot of players that have struggled playing against physical defenders where you know yeah this guy's playing in the SEC, he's a super athletic player, he's making plays you get to the NFL level, man, and it just gets a little bit more intense, a little bit more physical, a lot of, you know, hand action happening, sticky coverage. So, I mean, I understand. I understand the the desire to want to see more out of this player. For me, the reason that I, I maintain him in my number two spot is just because of the flashes that you do see in in a limited scope of work. I mean, it's... It's so amazing to me that this guy, you know, as a as a freshman, 2020, go back two years ago, was doing some of the things that he was doing, and then you come back to next or the the following year, last year, he gets hurt. But in the first six games of the season, I mean, he was right on his way to doing some crazy things last year. I mean, starts the season with a 148 three touchdown performance. I mean. It's he he's got the tools. He's got the tools and he's got that sort of, you know, you called him a on the on the ranking show, you called him more of that X build. Yeah. I don't know if I see him really excelling on the outside because of some of that physical limitation that he does have, but you put this guy in the slot, man, you let him go to work and he's going to he's going to do some damage and he can do a lot of damage after the catch too that's one of you know one of the areas where specifically he's uh a, kind of a nightmare to deal with you get the ball in his hands he's not going to you know he's not a, a super physical player like i'm saying but uh he's he's able to break tackles he's able to find space in the open field and make plays with his feet so yeah i mean i'm just i'm excited to Let's get a full season of, of Kayshawn Butte. Let's get a full year in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Butte in 2020 was almost exclusively lined up out wide. 93% of his snaps, he lined up out wide. 2021, on the other hand, is basically a 50-50 split between them putting him in the slot and him lining up out wide. So, Obviously, they see that he's excelling in the slot, and I I also see that. It's like the first time I watched film, I was like, man, yeah, this is a, one of the few X receivers that I've seen in this class be great. And then it's like, oh, well, actually a lot of his great success is coming out of the slot, which is sweet because you see a lot of these bigger – slot receivers in the game now be incredible fantasy assets and so Butte could be the next in line in that term 
and then you look at he he's good after the catch he's pretty solid at the catch point he runs a good route and it, it i i did also notice that the physicality did get to him where he would get thrown off every once in a while but this this is a very good prospect on an lsu team which is a nice legacy school it's nice to see somebody in the purple and yellow too given their track record so we'll, we'll see how he performs as the undisputed wide receiver one on that LSU team next year for a full season, hopefully. Yeah. And honestly, the conversation about, you know, what, what is his role? Is he a slot player? Can he do both? Is he better outside that it's reminiscent of, of Justin Jefferson. I'm not going to say, you know, press pause, not comparing the two players. But I'm saying that Justin Jefferson, in a similar role in the LSU offense, he was questioned. You know, can he play outside of the slot? Can he do uh, these things that, you know, it, it will take to become an elite receiver at an NFL level? He was kind of pigeonholed into that. He's a, he's a wide receiver, too. He's, a, you know, he's in that mold of a change of pace type of guy. See how that works out. So uh, when I, I, say bo- I said that. <laughs> I did. You, you said that. I'll put it. I'll put it on record that I was like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. I why would I want to draft a guy that was the second best player on his own team as my wide receiver one? And uh, look at both of them now. And he still. <laughs> I, I'll maintain to this day, Justin Jefferson was the second best player on his own team. He was. But goddamn, the first best player on that team was damn good too. That's a little scary to think about that those two were running around, but um. All right, man, what a, we're on number three still. I need to give a number three. Nobody yes. knows my number three yet. I know your number three. Come on, please. Don't. You're okay. going to break my heart. Oh, no. My number three wide receiver in the 2023 class of campers is Quinton Johnston okay. from TCU. Um, like I said... A few times already. I like I like him big. And Quinton Johnston is big personified. This is not a uh you know a chintzy six four listing. This guy's huge. He looks massive on the field. And when you have a guy at that size with that much speed and the ability to win deep consistently you have my attention. So it was physically painful to watch the TCU offense and to watch their quarterback try to get him the ball. But, man, when he did, good things happened. And when he didn't, good things could have happened because Quinton Johnston was somewhere down the field with, you know, five yards of separation. So... I don't know. When I see that, when I see that size speed combo like that, my eyes light up and I I'm yep, I'm all in. Give me Quentin Johnston. Yeah, the Johnson was my like am I going to go him or Mims at number 5? Was like the, this was my big debate that I was really having and I gosh, the the film was hard to watch. Like you said, I, I found myself, I was like, okay, am I going to get any good clips here? Is this going to be a quarterback running into 
the offensive line is just going to be a running back going for two yards. He's a great blocker. I can tell you that. He really so that there's the the good games were incredible, and the bad games were disgusting. It was like, man, and also I I couldn't find a lot of just straight film on Johnston either. So this is uh not not exactly a blind spot of mine, but it it was some something where I was just like, okay, he had 185 yards against Oklahoma. And then he had 142 against Baylor, and those games look pretty good. He's getting a lot of balls sailed over his head. Uh, the separation is is good a lot of the times, but sometimes it's not. The routes aren't perfect. But, yeah, like you said, size, speed, when it comes down to it, if there's a 6'4", 215 guy, he's going to be on your list. I know he is. I, I should have expected this. Uh, but yeah, Quentin Johnson is, is going to be a good player. Yeah. The there, I mean, there's certainly some area for improvement from a technical perspective. I mean, like you said, the route running, you know, it's, it's a major question mark going into the year. Can we see notable growth in that department? I mean, there's, there's, you know, film of him just bouncing off of guys like, he tries to make a cut and it's just not good enough and he just bounces off the player and and that play went for like 50 yards. So yeah. He shows up in the box score as a 50-yard reception with 20 yards after the catch but you know, it wasn't it wasn't executed particularly well. So it's things like that where when that comes up then you're like, okay, like is this going to be the big guy who can't separate or is this going to be, you know, a a, a serious you know, player at, at, at that size. And it's going to be really easy because this happens every year to just fall back on recency bias and say, oh, is this Drake London? You know, the, the six four guy, he plays. Is this the same? No, not Drake London. Not even close for me. Not even close to the same caliber of a prospect. But he has, he has the physical tools and the frame that make him very enticing. And, you know, one of the games that is available on YouTube for, you know, people who don't have those big 12 hookups and the all 22 is Kansas state. In that game, he had two receptions on seven targets for five yards. So if you watch watch that that game, you watch that game, it's maybe one of two games you can find. If you're a normal person using the internet, you're probably sitting there like, yeah, this guy's, he's, he's not, he's not a factor on a terrible offense, but you know, happens. The yeah, quarterback is <laughs> wow. Was he? It was. Bad? It was ugly. Yeah, it was. It was pretty gross. And I guess when you you see somebody that may not be super technically sound, and they're not getting a ton of separation, you you gotta see the contested catch greatness. And he has flashes of that where it's like okay, but. There's also flashes where it's not that, and it's like, okay, am I just looking at a tall guy who is bodying up like Baylor corners who may or may not be good? Like it, there, there's a little bit of can I believe in this prospect all the way? Is there is can I buy in? And I guess that's why he's off my top five 
he's in yours because you're you're buying in, you're cashing in your stock now. If if there was one part of his game, if there was one part of his game that made me really, you know, normally a guy like this, he's like itching his way to my number one receiver spot just by default at this point. But the contested catch, there, there's not enough of it. There's not enough. And one of my favorite quotes of all time from one of my favorite players of all time, Drake London, is that there's more than one way to create separation. You can create separation vertically by jumping over the top of people consistently. So, you know, if a guy like this who, if he's not winning in, you know, separating at a route level, is he consistently separating over the top of people and it doesn't show up quite that much and it's not as consistent when it does as some of these elite ball hawk players that can go up and, you know, it's it's more than a 50-50 with some of these guys like T. Higgins and Drake London. So that is certainly one area where I'd like to see him improve in 2022. Um, but, yeah, I'm a sucker. He's my number three for now. All right. So number two, huh? Yeah. I I figured this would this would be something that we could agree on, be like, yeah, nah. But apparently not. Uh I, I have Jordan Addison number two. Uh the guy that just won the award for best wide receiver in the nation. Uh but anyway, uh Jordan Addison talked about him on the big board pod where he is leaving a ecosystem where he had the same quarterback for the last two years who is now a first round pick in the NFL. Can he pick it? And he is going to USC, which is kind of a building. Uh, it's weird to say USC is a building program, but USC is a building themselves back up to where they were in uh, the, the early two thousands. And so they, they're trying to, you know, get those building blocks in place and it looks like they're doing great so far. I mean, they, Again, reiterating what we said on the big board, they got Lincoln Riley, they got uh, Caleb Williams, and Jordan Addison coming over is a huge addition. And, I mean, the guy gets open. That's, like, at the end of the day, it's what I care about most. How often are you getting open? How often are you winning at the top of your route? I, how open are you getting? Can you can you beat him downfield? Can you beat him in inter- intermediate? Can you beat him short? And Jordan Addison could do all of that. Um, he there the USC's taken number three out of retirement for him. Like he's the real deal. This is he can play, and so I pro- project that he's going to have an incredible year next year. He's going to be easily the number one target there. Can fill in those Drake London shoes of number one wide receiver at USC. Michael Pittman before that, where it's like. These guys are now just getting turned out of USC maybe and can be a wide receiver university. So Jordan Addison's not in my top five. Yeah. And I just want to put some color on that. Um, I'm going to say I think – How can I put this lightly? Jordan Addison does two. 
he has two issues to me right now. One of them you might not call an issue, but there's two things about Jordan Addison right now that make me press pause. Now, I'm going to hedge a little bit, and I'm going to tell you that there is a there is a very clear pathway to Jordan Addison climbing up my rankings. But right now, he's small, he's skinny, and he drops a lot of passes. And so, to me, I just, at this stage of the game, I am betting on some of these other guys that didn't win the Blitnikoff Award. And I'm going to go into 2022 to see how they look. How does Jermaine Burton end the year compared to what he is now as a player with 30 targets last year as opposed to Jordan Addison's 144 targets, 100 receptions, and almost 1,600 yards. So that's my little spiel on Addison. It's just there the weaknesses to me were enough at this point in time to say that I'm worried enough about his game translating at the NFL level that I'm kind of opting to shift my focus towards some other guys right now. Now, yeah. that being said, right. Lincoln Riley, USC, I mean, he could have he's going to be in that Hollywood Brown-esque you know, he's he's going to be making highlight real plays week in and week out again. And he's going to be firmly on the radar for, you know, when we talk about NFL draft prospects just based off of, you know, his pedigree and his skills alone. So we're going to be talking a lot about Addison this year. But, you know, this is our first point of major friction here is, is, this, is this ranking. Yeah. I, I also failed to mention Amon Ross St. Brown also came from the USC lineage, <laughs> uh, star wide receiver for the Lions, catch him on hard knocks. Um, right. But I I wish I could care about either of the things that you are saying uh, Addison has a problem with. I, I don't care anything about drops. I don't care at all that he's skinny. Uh, Devonte Smith was obviously a skinny player who. But wait, wait, had... wait, wait, wait! I oh, need no, to. No, I need well, to. No, no, I gotta. I gotta step in because I knew right. you're gonna say the word Devonte Smith. Of course. And there is a big difference in how Jordan Addison and Devonte Smith play at a at a level that directly relates to their size. Okay. Because Devonte Smith played much bigger i mean he was a skinny dude unprecedentedly so but he would win in different ways than addison can win and right, it was can you can you let me finish i'm just I, you, need... I will get there i will get there i promise Devonte smith was very skinny it was a story through the draft jordan addison is not Devonte smith I compared Jordan Addison to Chris Olave because he plays a lot like Chris Olave. Chris Olave plays small. He's a slot receiver, and he beats people deep. That's what Jordan Addison does. He doesn't play like Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith plays like a bona fide X receiver. 
he's one of the one of my favorite receivers I've watched coming out of college, and it's translated to the NFL, where he looks great every single week, put up a thousand yards last year. But Addison is not Devontae Smith, but he put up sixteen hundred yards on a hundred catches with a drop problem, right? Like if if he cleans up a drop problem, which is possible, we've seen it happen. And I, I won't say the, the stars that have cleaned it up because, again, Jordan Addison is a junior in college, but there, there are guys that have cleaned up drop problems and become superstars in the NFL because of that. And if Jordan Addison can sit in front of a jugs machine for four hours a day and fix his hands a little bit, I mean, what, does 1,600 yards turn into 1,800? And then it's just that he's skinny and he gets beat up at the line of scrimmage. So I, it's just like I, I, I'm excited to see the goalposts move for Jordan Addison all year because he's a skinny guy that might drop a few passes. When there's, there's guys in the NFL that are small and might have drop problems that are excelling in NFL offenses. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. And, but there's two levels of projection, right? There's projecting something that isn't there. And then there's projecting something that is there going away. So that's where to me, the, the disconnect right now, and I'm going to keep hedging. I don't care because you know, when Jordan Addison is doing it again and he's catching all everything that's thrown his way in you know, October, I'm going to sit here and say, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm on board for Addison. Give me Addison in my top five. But right now it's, I'm going to, I'm projecting things that we haven't seen from other guys versus projecting him to suddenly learn how to, you know, stop dropping two passes a game. I, yeah, we can project that a great wide receiver is going to get better. That That's something that you can do. It's projecting a guy that – anyway, sorry. I'm, oh, that to get me riled up. Like projecting that. Projecting like someone like Quentin Johnston to become a better separator is so much further off than projecting Jordan Addison – to have a little bit catch one more pass a game. Like I, I don't, Oh my, I don't, I don't understand where that, Hey, that, but if Quentin Johnson figures it out, man, that's a six, four freight train coming your way, man. Yeah, and and then he might have the season Jordan Addison had last year. <laughs> that that's the thing. It's like, if he figures it out, then he might be as good as Jordan Addison. <laughs> man. Anyway, <clears throat> Well, it's worth saying that Addison's my number six, so he's right not, there. He's on the doorstep. Not worth anything to me. He's on the doorstep. Whew. All right. Well, it's getting a little toasty around this campfire tonight, but yeah. um, Addison, yep. So Butte is my number two. Obviously, we knew that. Talked about him and – after the friction and the disconnect there on Addison, we can bring this back in. We can we can we can hug around the campfire once again here with number one, Jackson Smith in Jigba. Yeah, this this was a 
in pen, in Sharpie, the, the number one. Everything else was afterwards for me. Because even even with Addison, it was like, well, him or Butte at number two. But number one, it was always Jackson Smith and Chigba. This guy is incredible. He's far and away a uh, early first round pick in dynasty drafts in 2023. Every time he touches the ball, a play is likely going to get made. And he was number three in the pecking order in this offense and still went nuts every time he touched the ball. Uh, and I, I will reference the Nebraska game. Once again, 18 targets, 15 catches, 240 yards. That that game is nuts. That that that's a game that a college athlete had. And there there's a lot more games that look closer to that than the low end of what he can do. Well, there's certainly a game that's even better than that one. Yeah. That's fair. And we take we take Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave out of the offense. You throw in a, you know, dismembered Utes secondary. <laughs> and what you get is 336 yards and three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, it's, there's no question. There's no question. I mean, I, I've already heard the conversations about Butte versus JSN as wide receiver one, I don't see it at all. I don't, I don't see, see it, it at all. At all. I saw Butte listed at number one on three different lists. It's like, I don't know what, like, I get the there's projection. I get that you you want to be first on something. I get that you want to have a hot take. This is not that the take to have. To, to be betting against JSN is just seems silly to me. No. Yeah, exactly. My, if I'm going to choose in summer of 2022 to stick my neck out on something, it's going to be, you know, maybe Jordan Addison isn't the guy. It's not Kayshawn Butte is better than one of the best college wide receivers in the entire sport as a sophomore. Right. I, I mean, it's just not even, it's not even close. And it's, it's not, you know, obviously we're referencing the box score a lot here that what he does on the field is so almost transcendent as a wide receiver prospect. I mean, you, you talked earlier about, you know, if you're going to be a successful slot player, you have to be able to block JSN great blocker. Yep. excels in the slot and and he can block i mean they were getting you know garrett wilson out on screens jsn's moving people out of the way i mean stuff like that the little stuff that he can contribute to go along with his premier talent i mean it's th- watching him find separation i mean we reference kind of with josh downs he's patient he can manipulate defenders and find pockets in space JSN is that on a completely different level. And I mean that he he's able to do it so easily and you watch games like the Rose bowl where, yeah, I mean, say what you will about the level of competition that he was facing that day, 15 catches on 16 targets. He, it, it wasn't even hard. 
just no. over the middle. He was wide open every time. He's making plays after the catch. I mean, great, great player after the catch, too. So he's a playmaker. He doesn't have the long speed, though. That's what we're going to hear about. But yeah. he can make plays with the ball in his hands. You don't need to score on every single touch you have in the middle of the field to be effective. And you don't have to run a 4-3 to be effective. It's 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 mind-numbing that the only issue that we're going to hear about with with JSN is his speed. And and that's that's it. That is the only knock you can have on him and so far it's been enough to lower him in the in the conversation against other guys. Yeah. This JSN is like one of the guys that where I, I was talking about it with the big slot before where it's like, yeah, the, the NFL really values that Jackson Smith and Jigba is a team's wide receiver one. It's not a big slot. This is if, if you take the production, like I was talking about with Jordan Addison, where I was like, yeah, no, I've seen him do it. Smith and Jigba had the same stats on 30 less targets that that's what makes him the wide receiver one churning out target after target for big game after big game taking a six target game against Maryland and turning it into 103 yards where it's he's getting the ball on a quick out a speed out and making two guys miss getting turning that from six yards and a first down into 20 yards and a big play where he's getting chunks, where he's getting little jet passes in the backfield, where he's getting the ball across the middle and seemingly somehow not getting hit like other receivers would. Cause he's just a smart guy. He, he has great football IQ. He runs good routes. He makes people miss. He, he is the complete package in wide receiver. I, I said he reminded me of CeeDee Lamb. I'll say it again. It's it's really similar where it's not only the slot work and the run after catch and the the special route running. It's also he can play big at the catch point if he needs to. He can go get it if he needs to. That's not his strong suit, but he can do it all. It's funny you say that because of players with 10 or more contested targets, the number one contested catch player in all of college football among that group was Jackson Smith and Jigba. Nine catches, nine contested catches on 10 contested targets. He is a vacuum and that you you take away his ability to create separation when he is working through the mud in the middle of the field as he so often does he's catching all those passes too the the pressure is not getting to him in the way that it gets to some of these other players so i'm contradicting myself a little bit when you know it's like if you want to have Butte as your number one guy go for it man do it do whatever you want but it's just a, it's a shame that we can't at this stage appreciate it seems like the level of talent that we have in this player for this in this upcoming draft class. I mean he's 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 gonna he's gonna be a transcendent player for me. I, 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 the writing's on the wall. 
Yeah. And just to uh, support some of my claims real quick with some analytics, which I love. Numbers. Uh, When you look at Jackson Smith and Jigba in terms of receiving depth on PFF, on deep passes, he has a 99.9 receiving grade. On intermediate passes, which are 10 to 19 yards, 99.9 receiving grade. On short passes, ninety-five point four. So, and then and then you look and to, I, I mentioned that it seems like he's never getting hit. He's never getting the ball batted away in the middle of the field. Well, the stats back it up. Intermediate center of the field, he has a ninety-nine point two receiving grade. This guy is the epitome of an over-the-middle winner on the field. And guess what? He can do it everywhere else too. He's just better at doing it over the middle amen i love this player me too love him gonna be a lot of fun to watch cj stroud to jsn this season it's coming up quick a couple weeks away uh before we jump into campfire stories for this week however I know we both watched quite a few wide receivers. Is there any other names two weeks ahead of college football kickoff that you want to throw out there that you're going to be paying attention to? Okay, I had uh, Jermaine Burton and Johnston as my honorable mentions. My only other one that we haven't mentioned, haven't talked about, is Rakeem Jarrett out of Maryland. Uh, This is... A guy, he's he's skinny, he's six foot, but he just wins. He wins all over the field. Uh, he lines up out wide and in the slot. It's a basically 50-50, a little more favorable towards the slot. Uh, but he, he was fairly productive, uh, didn't have a great offense, but looks good with the ball in his hands, makes a lot of catches, has great sideline awareness, um, so th- this is a guy that that's fringe outside of my top t- top five, but I I really liked what I saw out of him. Just couldn't find a way to get him in here. Maryland's gonna be fun to watch. That's a fun team, sneaky fun team. You got Tua's brother slinging the ball, and then you got Raheem Jarrett and Dante Demas, another wide receiver there on my watch list. Um, wouldn't necessarily call him an honorable mention quite yet, but he did tear his ACL last year, so we got limited action. Um, from Demas last year, but Demas and Jarrett, that's going to be a spicy combination for the Terrapins next year. Uh, Be a good team to watch if, you know, if that's the game of the, of the hour that's on, but um, obviously Addison is, you know, tippy top of my, of my just missed the cut list, but um, other guys, um, I have a bit of a soft spot for one player that I want to shout out. We're sticking in the big 10, uh, Michigan State, Jaden Reed caught my eye watching Kenneth Walker, sorry, Ken Walker last year, uh, last season. And I'm, yeah, he, he's just a, he, he's a gamer. He's a gamer. That's what he is. He's, you know, he's one of these guys, six feet, 185, not the biggest guy, but he plays big and he plays tough. He's reliable. Uh, he's got great chemistry with the, with the quarterback. They went to middle school and high school together. And you see that he trusts him a lot. Reed was the guy that he went to on a, on a fourth down play late in the game, um, at one point in the season. So yeah, I, I, I think, uh, Reed is a guy that, you know, he's not gonna, 
Um, he's not going to climb this list in terms of, you know, being the most, most athletic player, but he's got, a, he's got some upside. Um, and I'm, I'm just looking forward to watching him, seeing how he progresses. And then, uh, capping it off AT Perry. If you watched mm-hmm. him wake forest, you know, we're talking big guys. This catches my eye when I see a guy six, five, and he had almost 1300 yards receiving last year for wake forest of all teams. Um, yeah, he was interesting guy. Again, I mean, not nothing that was uh, jumping off the screen for me in terms of you know, he kind of just looked like a big guy. But um, if he you know takes that step forward, Sam Hartman is actually gone from that program now, though, so that may uh, be a a hindrance to him. But I wanted to throw that name out there because there's just not enough big guys this year. We need we need more big guys. Yeah, I. Perry jumped out of me. I didn't get a chance to watch Reed, so I don't really have much to break down about him. But I did see a little bit of Perry because I saw that he was a 6'5 wide receiver in this class, and we are lacking size. And the game that jumped out the most to me was that NC State game. If you're just looking at the box score, where he has 19 targets and five receptions where it's just like, get this guy the ball any way possible. <laughs> He's going to be, and it, he ends up only hauling in five of them. But I, I that's just uh, one of those statistical things where it's just kind of funny. Yeah, I know. Three drops in that game, too. That's like it's one of the things where he's not, you know, he's he's a big guy, but he's not a, a ball magnet. It's, it's amazing contested. that it's that it's only three drops and he had 19 (laughs) targets. That's true. That's very true. Oh, all right. Uh, well, with all that being said after, you know, I'm, I hope that our animosity can be put behind us now as we, you know, light this fire and, and gather around it's time for campfire stories. Colin, do you have a story for me this week? I do. I do. And it's about my my baby boy, Jordan Addison. Uh, we'll, we'll take our animosity, we'll put it to the side. Um, and we'll talk about... Uh, we had our... You know, all of our old campers came back to camp last week. And... Uh, so I was walking around, and you see, uh, you know, a couple guys that, that are retired coming back, maybe counselors that have come and gone, and uh, saw Carson Palmer. And I was like, "Oh, hey, Carson, good to see you. What are, what are you, uh, what are you doing here? Are you heading out? What's going on?" He's like, "Hey, I just had a great conversation with one of your new campers, Jordan Addison." Um, I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah. What'd you guys talk about?" And uh, basically, he gave me the rundown where he said. Yeah, Jordan, great kid, uh, coming over to the program, and he asked me, hey, could I get your blessing to wear the number three? And at first, Carson was a little, you know, hesitant to give it up. I mean, it's a retired number. He's a USC great, a solid NFL quarterback, uh, but, you know, he was just so blown away by the Jordan Addison tape that he had to give up the number three he's like of course and addison he why so i went and talked to addison i was like hey jordan what why do you need to wear three what's what's the reasoning here is you know it's got to be some sentimental if you asked him 
Carson to take it out of retirement for you. He says, yeah. I've always worn number three. My favorite wide receiver wore number three. Calvin Ridley. And I was like, that's my favorite wide receiver too, <laughs> Jordan. I, I, I know there's a little bit of stuff going on with Calvin, former camper. Uh, but that's okay. We all, you know, we all like to bet on things. We all like to win money. It's the rush. I get it. Uh, we all do stupid things. It's not the worst thing that I've seen an NFL player do, I can tell you that. Uh, he's wrongful suspension, 17 games. I'll put that out there, too. But anyway, uh, Jordan Addison got the blessing to wear number three. Uh, I was very excited to have all the ex-campers at Camp Dynasty. Uh, and I, I wish Jordan Addison well with number three. It's good to see Carson stopping by camp. You know, mentoring the kids. Love to see that when the greats come back home for a little while. But man, at this Addison thing, man, this is gonna be this is gonna be a whole thing. Yeah, it's gonna All be right. a long year for you. I'm going to change my tune real quick. I can't handle this negativity. This is, We're all about positivity here at Camp Dynasty. Um, well, my campfire story this week is about none other than Jackson Smith and Jigba because who else? The man of the hour. Um, and we referenced, obviously, the, the Rose Bowl because that's the story. That was what we were left with. Remember, that was the last taste of JSN that we had and we've been waiting for a full year uh, to get back to, to some action there with him um, but his 336 yard performance in that game was not his first 300 yard game of his young football career in fact for my story we are going to leave camp and we are going to travel to Rockwell, Texas, home of the Yellow Jackets, where Jackson Smith and Jigba became not only the number one wide receiver prospect in Texas, but the number one prospect overall in the state of football. So how did he do that? Game one of his senior season, Jackson Smith and Jigba went for 311 yards on 13 receptions. Wow. Kid had a great start to his senior year. Damn, too bad he can't top that. Oh, but he could. Eight games later, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba went for 327 yards for the Yellow Jackets. So, the kid knows. The kid knows how to ball. <laughs> and 300-yard receiving games are nothing new, and maybe he won't ever have one in the NFL, but dare I say he's going to have many, many 100-plus-yard wide receiving games in, in his future NFL career, and I'm looking forward to watching it unfold. I'm also looking forward to watching it unfold. It's not quite the eye-popping Derrick Henry high school stats where you look back and it's like, oh, he had like 500 yards and six touchdowns a game. But it's still like, oh, this guy has always been dominant. 
and that's exactly what you want to see out of a player when when you uh, look at the the community as a whole which we we like to do every once in a while check in on how how they're doing how they're looking at people and you talk about like breakout age and Jackson Smith and Jigba has that that uh, the young breakout age and he's poised to have an even better season coming up so this could be a top five NFL draft pick next year amen and just you know the Derrick Henry clip floats around every now and then but if you can find them go out and watch some of these guys in high school because it is it's it's fun like the Lamar Jackson clip that goes around every once in a while too where it's like oh man and it's like, yeah, dude, Derrick Henry, he looked amazing. Lamar Jackson, he looked amazing. How about the Jermaine Burton high school tape that came across my YouTube feed that I clicked <laughs> on, and Jermaine Burton looked like Calvin Johnson himself out there. So yeah, that, that's Titus, what we're talking about. Titus Swen. <laughs> Titus Swen's <laughs> high school tape. Hey, check out Wyoming's uh, running back room, Titus Swen. He finally has the room to himself. Uh, number 26 O-line in the nation for an FBS school. He's, uh, he's going to be a tank back there, and you can go check out the highlights from his high school tape because that's all that's available on YouTube. There's the plug. Didn't get him in last week. Got him in this week. There it is. Cowboys. <laughs> all right. Um, well, man, that was – we got quarterbacks, we got running backs, we got wide receivers done, which means that next week is tight ends and IDPs, Plus, we have to get ready for week one of the college football season because that's that's coming up real quick. It's the, the camp conversations are going to turn into camp reactions really, really quickly here. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to see these guys actually get on the field and, and play some real football and get to be like, wow, this Jordan Addison thing is real. You know, I've been watching draft prospects for over 10 years. Never once have I been excited for college football. Yeah, here we are. Except for this year. Here we are. I'm ready. I'm ready to watch Jordan Addison. Prove me wrong, Jordan. Prove me wrong. Let's see it. I don't I don't think he's putting it on the bulletin board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't either. All hey, right. Bet on yourself. Not literally. Uh, <laughs> Well, okay, Calvin Ridley already came up once here. We're going off the rails, but we will be back next week. Tight ends, IDPs, and until then, have a good week.